co-chairs of the World Worker Power Louisiana uh, in DSA New Orleans, and like we said, a member of the IIC local. What's going on? Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, good to be here. Um, Jeff mentioned I'm in um, New Orleans DSA and IOTC 478, and I'm actually also in IOTC 39, too. Oh, you're in both locals. That's right. You told me that. So, like, what does that mean like, to, to, that you're in both locals? So, so you, what kind of work do you do for like one and the other so that you have members? So you have to pay dues to two locals, essentially. Yeah. Um, so uh, for those that don't know, IOTC is the labor union that represents um, theatrical um, and stage employees as well as motion picture technicians. Um, so you've got like the film industry on one side of things and live entertainment and um, events and like trade shows on the other side of things. So uh, locally in New Orleans, 39 covers live events, trade shows um, and theatrical productions. Um, so like Broadway shows and convention center sort of work. Um, and then on the other side of that locally, we have 478, um, which represents, which is the studio mechanics local from IATSE here. And they represent all of the um, uh, motion picture technicians. So anyone that's, um, that works in, in the film industry. And we, and we actually cover um, not just New Orleans, um, but Louisiana at large, um, uh, Southern Mississippi and Mobile, Alabama. So it's mm -hmm. sort of like our big local. little Gulf South. Yeah. Geographically nice size local. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the reason to be in, and many people, like I'm not really a unique situation in having both cards. Um, many folks do work in both. Um, so I, I'm, I call myself an electrician. Like that's generally my job title. Um, I do lighting work um, with, uh, with both sides of things. Um, I actually got my start in the theater doing live events um, and have done that for many years. Um, and over the past few years have, have gone more onto the, um, the film side of things. So, um, but the skills are transferable. It's just like sort of different circumstances and different scale, so. Cool. And um, so one of the reasons that we wanted to bring you on is because we're in of what people are calling Striketober right now which is essentially we're seeing um things like we have as of right now or um workers from uaw john deere workers um across the midwest uh are on strike looking for a better contract there um there's many west coast um nurses on strike right now uh as well uh, and, and that's just to name a couple and also there was the threat or at least an authorization of a strike 
for um, IATSE workers, um, essentially stagehand type type things like you were mentioning earlier, uh, electricians, you know, people that work in 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 the industry in the um, entertainment industry. Um, what were they? Go, what was what was? Could you sort of describe the situation? I guess you could say. And, and sort yeah, of absolutely. So um, yeah, happy striketober, everybody. Um, it's a great time, um, and uh, I feel like. This is a moment that you know isn't just going to be uh, within October, but it's nice to see so many um, like militant labor actions happening across the country at once. And I I think we can hope to see more of a wave of that in the future. Um, maybe we'll talk about that more. Um, but uh, yeah, so this current situation uh, with IATSE um, has been developing over the last few months. Um, well, really over the last few years, um, technically. Um, so uh, back in July, um, one of our major contracts um, expired. So we were up to sort of renew the contract or adjust it. Um, it's a three-year contract. So whatever we sign on to will be in place um, for the next three years. Um, and uh, so this contract covers um, sort of all of the like, um, it's called like the Hollywood basic. So a lot of the um, tons and tons of work that's actually done in Hollywood, um, as well as the it, what we call the area standards agreement, which is sort of the version of that Hollywood agreement that um, locals outside of LA use. So- um, The base and periphery sort of model. Correct, yeah. So like here in Atlanta or Philadelphia, um, places that have like, um, a lot of film work going on. We'll use the area standards agreement, and they're they're mostly the same. They differ a little bit in terms of um, just like some regionalisms for like economic factors and the way that our benefit structure works. Um, but and without going into the actual contracts themselves, mm -hmm. but that's that's kind of where we're at. So a contract expired in July, and. Um, underneath this landscape, like there was a landscape building behind this contract expiring of um, workers in IATSE demanding, starting to demand like safer working hours um, and just like better conditions on the job. Um, so a little background, like a typical day on set, if you're like shooting something, like it's not at all unheard of for it to go anywhere from 14 to 20 hours at times. Um, that's like, it's not abnormal. Um, 20, that's a 20 hour work day, folks. That is, that is a long day. And I've, and I've had many of them. Um, I think my record day is 23 hours, but I do know folks that have worked like 36 hours straight. Anyway, so not getting into records right now. It's not something to brag about. But you want like, a medal? You want a medal for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Um, so it's 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 very common to have like long long days, and this is like a string of long days, um, one after the other. So um, you know you may have worked five 14 hour days in a row, and then are called back in on a Saturday to work another you know long ass day again. So it just this it it compounds. People are tired. Um, and what we do is dangerous work. It requires a lot of skill. We operate a lot of like heavy and dangerous equipment um, at all times. There's tons of people on set like running around, not literally running, but like there's people moving around with ladders, people moving around with hot lights and like just a lot, lot of action going on. And 
you can imagine it sort of like creates this like perfect storm of like um, of uh, needing a lot of safety precautions. Right. <laughs> and um, safety is super important. On this. <laughs> like, I just not to interrupt you, but like yeah. like one of the things that that most of the time when workers get like all organized and 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 ready to fight for is their own literal safety. But I, 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 I go on. Yeah. Yeah. So like safety, you know, is a huge concern. Um, and so uh, a few years back, um, uh, like the the local that represents um, all of the cinematographers um, uh, sort of started a campaign to start having um, uh, shorter hours. Um, and so um, this um, unfortunately came out of like, uh, you know, anytime there's like or true organizing around a thing usually is because something bad happened um, to like spark that like immediate need for it. Um, and so there's like one sort of like um, tragic story of this um, this uh, IATSE worker named Sarah Jones, um, who was a, a camera worker, camera department worker, and she um, she actually died on set um, in 2014. Um, just after working a string of long days and not just exhaust, literal exhaustion and um, dangerous conditions on the job. Um, and so um, ever since then, there's been sort of this like hashtag safety for Sarah campaign. So you can kind of like look that up and um, if you want to kind of follow that um, to specifically end this thing that we call fratter days, which is, um, this, it sounds fun, but it's not. Um, it's um, the all too common practice in our industry of you get called into work on Friday and oh, lo and behold, Friday just turns into Saturday and you're still working. Um, and so it's a sort of like nightmarish um, situation that's really common. And then maybe you're released, you know, in the middle of the afternoon on Saturday and then you're called back in at 6 a.m. on Monday to do it all over again. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, this sort of safety for Sarah thing sort of um, sparked this like no, stop fratter days, like end to fratter days, we can't deal with that, which then sort of sparked um, organizing conversations among IATSE workers about like, well, how do we really push in our next contract for shorter hours, um, longer turnaround time between shifts um, so people can go home and rest and, hey, here's a thought, maybe see your family um, or eat. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, so, um, all of those things that are very important, getting back uh, weekends. Um, so, all that to say, that kind of brings us to the present moment. Um, so when this contract expired in July, um, you know, the local leadership, the all of the union leadership um, sort of like asked their members, you know, what are your main concerns? Um, what do you want brought to the negotiating table um, uh, for this next round of contract negotiations? And a lot of people, um, you know, brought brought these concerns to the table. We want shorter hours. We want more safe conditions. We want um, better quality of life in general. Um, and, uh, I will say like, uh, and I've been saying this ad nauseum, um, to my friends when I talk about it, this is something that really encourages me about the labor movement right now, um, is that, um, many of these demands weren't just wage-based, uh, like they're not truly just wage and benefit-based, although there is quite a bit of that. Um, but finally, we're bringing to the front concerns about mental health and sleep 
and rest and like, lo and behold, like having a life outside of work maybe. Um, and I think that's a really like healthy and beautiful thing for us to like be fighting for. Um, is It's not just about wages. It's about, no, I'm like a human being that needs rest and we need to take care of each other. And we need to like be treated as human beings and not as like machines on the job. Um, so that's something that is super exciting to me um, about this struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that to say, um, negotiations were sort of ongoing and um, at a certain point, the producers, um, uh, it's uh, AMPTP um, is uh, like sort of the group, the conglomerate of producers um, who we have this contract with, um, which includes a lot of the streaming media. So like your Netflix. Client for motion picture and television producers. Correct. Sorry. Thank you for defining okay. the acronym. Um, uh, yeah. So you've got like all of the streaming media that's really popular now in there um, as well as, as other producers. Um, and so um, what uh they they essentially sort of stalled on the negotiations in like um, mid to late August and just weren't really like moving on any of the things that we were asking for. Um, and so that's where leadership, um, our president, Matt Loeb, sort of turned around. Um, I want to say it was early September. We all got an email that was like, hey, membership, will you vote to strike? Mm-hmm. Um, like, is this a thing that we can do? And this then, the authorization? Yeah, this was to authorize a strike if we can't get what we want. Mm. Um, and so then we proceeded mm. with, okay, well, let's see if we can do this. And so then it was, um, you know, trying to um, make membership really um, like talking to each other as coworkers and as comrades and making sure that um, we're all on the same page and that we were all going to vote yes on a strike because um, no one wants to strike during a pandemic. Like it's horrifying to lose work after we, our industry has really just come back from um, sort of a hiatus. Um, but uh, people really, really wanted these concerns addressed. Like we, we want better safety. We want, um, we want all of these things and we need them desperately. Um, and so people, people were willing. And um, so the strike vote happened um, and uh, it was, overwhelmingly a resounding yes so it was was like like a a 90 response rate which like if you can get 10 percent or 20 percent people open an email like that's a big dub but you get 90 percent of or something like that of members i know 98 percent of them or something like that the numbers are like this is a couple of weeks ago from memory but like 98 percent or some crazy high number was in favor yeah 98 0.9% voted yes. And our voter turnout was 90%. That's insane. um, Which is just like. I mean, I've seen union elections, um, ones that I've been a part of, get 10%, you know, voters uh, in in the local. You know, 90% is so, so strong. Yeah, it really is strong. And like, and I think it just speaks to um, not only the unity that we have as workers, um, right now in this industry, um, in terms of like, um, like realizing this is important for all of us. Um, this is important. We we're on the same page with these demands. We want to move forward with this. 
Mm-hmm. I'll just pause the station ID real quick. Do you listen to WHIV LP in New Orleans 23? This is Good Morning Comrade. We have Mandy Wood from uh, two locals of IATSE and also from DSA New Orleans, Worker Power Louisiana on the show. We're talking about uh, the IATSE uh, sort of situation. Uh, you know, they voted to authorize a strike a couple of weeks back. And uh, as of right now, there is, well, we can sort of get into the tentative agreement, but but you're still laying out uh, the essentially the authorization of the strike, the extremely high um, amount of membership um, support for this, like overwhelming. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was beautiful. It was like a, it felt like a mandate, right? It's like, we have this, like, we're, we're ready to do it. Um, And uh, it was, it was really encouraging because for me, I was like, I feel like people that vote on this will vote yes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many people are actually going to vote. And I was like delighted to be like proved wrong that like, no, everyone like cares about this and this is important. Um, and um, yeah, so I think that's all very, very positive and very good. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we uh, basically this sort of authorization vote as we're seeing like in a lot of the other sort of striketober <laughs> like uh, labor actions that are happening right now, um, like with John Deere um, and others. Um, so this often like can can give folks uh, in leadership the leverage they need to go back to the bargaining table. So that's sort of like what we were hoping for there was like MPTP sort of stopped like bargaining with us Matt Loeb, our president, got us to do the authorization vote. We said, hell yeah, um, we, we, we agreed to it. And then we, um, uh, he took that back to the table and um, AMPTP agreed to come back and negotiate um, like a day after. So I feel like that was um, like, okay, good, that worked. We got them back to the table. Can I ask you a quick question to follow up on this a little bit, just to kind of zoom in? Yeah. Uh, what did that look like locally in terms of like like you and some some folks that you have uh, you know like cadre within your local um, reaching out and and getting people to vote for that because I know I know you I know you like spreadsheets I know you like reaching out to people and I know you like phone banking um, <laughs> or at least you're very good at it I don't know if you like it but <laughs> you know. um, like what did so what did that look like as far as like 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 getting people in your local on board uh, with this. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so uh, uh, our local held a lot of like town hall meetings, um, sort of as soon as like um, Loeb uh, asked us to go uh, go ahead and take the vote. Um, we held uh, our local leadership called for a bunch of town hall meetings, which were just sort of open meetings to all folks um, uh, in good standing in our union um, who could come in and just like sort of Q&A and get some political education about what what the strike vote means and what it means if you vote yes, what it means if you vote no. And um, uh, I was only able to attend one of those, but um, but it was really um, it was helpful. Like I did feel like our local leadership did a great job of sort of laying out what was at stake, laying out exactly what it means to vote yes, exactly what it means to vote no. Um, and sort of what we could expect. Um, and then beyond that, you know, um, uh, there were like phone banking efforts to sort of like call members, make sure they were aware that this was happening and get a feel for like what um, what their vote was going to be and sort of like dispel any of like sort of the um, 
false information or myths about the vote that it, it doesn't mean we're immediately going on strike. It doesn't mean you're immediately without a job. It doesn't mean you lose your health insurance, you know, all of these things that sort of like might scare people away from taking the vote. Um, so there was a little bit of that. Um, and then just like on a personal level, um, I just like made an effort to like text, like my friends, I guess, and like people that I've worked with, um, and just like, make sure like, Hey, like you're voting. Yes. Right. Like, <laughs> like, um, okay, cool. I thought so. Just making sure like, are you checking in on your peeps? Um, right, exactly. And I feel like, um, a lot of it too comes from, um, uh, uh, on the job sort of organizing. So, um, like I'm sure uh, so many folks that listen to your show can relate to this, but like the best sort of organizing conversations that we can have are like in the conditions, like in the working conditions, like you're slapped in the face with them, you're tired, you're at work, you're having these conversations with your coworkers. Um, and so a lot of it happened that way as well. Um, so I remember having um, a lot of conversations with coworkers around it and sort of what it meant and, you know, just sort of like brainstorming it together and trying to trying to um, move people who were maybe on the fence, like sort of past their fears about it or past their um, their ideas that it'll never work or like, oh, like I just can't see a world where we would have shorter days or things like that. And just like um, I feel like time and time again, uh, like labor organizing is so much just about like talking to people, um, building a relationship with a person and helping them realize that they deserve more in and life. And some hope in that too. Well, like, yeah. Somebody, <laughs> like, like you have to at least encourage people to believe that the thing that they want uh, that would benefit them is possible for them to do anything right. before right. they're going to make any steps towards doing it. You gotta, it's a, it's a real kind of like mental thing because if you don't believe the thing that you can do is possible, then you're not going to put forth the effort because you've got enough stuff to do, right? Right. Like, like not only do you deserve these things, but these things are possible, right? right? And and just like, like just because you haven't seen them before, it doesn't mean we can't make it happen kind of thing. So yeah. I love that kind of work. And like, it's, um, I think it's important for all of us, like, and it's hard too. It's hard to have conversations like that at work, um, yeah. especially like when you're busy. But like, I feel like that's, what we kind of all have to do um, like in the world now is just like build relationships with your coworkers um, so that like you have that to go off of and start like, you know, talking to each other about like, well, what would it look like if we actually like had something better, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and like, and, and not just visioning what it would look like, but envisioning like what that first step of getting yeah. there might be. And, and, and I want to circle back a little bit to um, that, what you brought up when you were explaining to folks what the strike authorization authorization was. So, like, what what that is essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, members were voting to authorize the leadership of your local at the national level to essentially call a strike if negotiations break down, if there's no other option than to do it. It's not just like bang, let's go on strike because we want to. But it's correct because, we, because we're essentially in a position where the only leverage that we have is withholding our labor, and you're essentially getting the the folks that are members of your of your union nationally to mm -hmm. say, that. yeah, that's um, that's 
100% correct. And yeah, so it wasn't like we were voting immediately to go on strike. It was um, essentially giving um, giving uh, our president, Matt Loeb, and the rest of leadership. Um, well, I mean, really, he's the only one that actually has the authority to call for the strike. So we can vote on it. But essentially, he's the one that will trigger it actually happening. Um, and so, you know, it was give me your permission as membership to do this so that I can use that as a card to play in the negotiations. And then if we don't get what we want out of the negotiations, we'll call for their strike. Right. Um, and so um, when that happened, when, when you um, essentially did the authorization, what happened after that? Yeah. So um it was very interesting because like, it was sort of almost silent for about 10 days. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> what is happening? Um, it's like, like, a, like you're just waiting for a shoe to drop, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild. Like, it's like, we just fired up all this energy to vote yes. We got the result, it felt like a victory. And then we were kind of just like, okay, they're back at the negotiations table. And it was sort of like leadership being like, stand by, we're negotiating, we'll fill you in as we have information. Um, and we didn't really hear much. And I think that's um, largely due to the fact that they weren't really moving very much um, on what we wanted. Um, and so then um, I think it was about 10 days later, um, but don't quote me on that. Um, at some time it passed. Felt, it might have felt like 10 days, but it was like, <laughs> It might have been too. Yeah, exactly. Some, some time passed. Um, it was at least a week. And um, uh, Matt Loeb uh, told uh, the producers, he gave them a deadline, essentially. He was like, um, if you don't have this, if you don't um, give us a deal that we approve of, that we like, that addresses our needs, um, we will go on strike starting at 12.01 a.m. on uh, October the 18th, which was this Monday. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so he basically gave them a deadline to sort of like provide some pressure. Um, and so then like efforts began, you know, on um, on our end as like rank and file members um, and all of the locals sort of involved in this to prepare for a strike. So um getting that support infrastructure in place, making signs, um, calling people, getting organized, um, uh, getting ready to do the thing. Um, and so he was like, we're still negotiating, but just be prepared to go out Monday morning um, if that's the case. So um, as we were preparing, making preparations to strike, um, we got an email, um, we got an email uh, late Saturday night, um, the 16th um, saying we've reached a tentative agreement. Um, like at the 11th hour, like at like the 11th hour, like, like, yeah. like the clock was ready to strike midnight. It seems like. Right. Yeah. We've reached a tentative agreement. Um, we don't have it fully fleshed out yet, but here are some bullet points from it and the strike and like the strike is off for now. And so then we got an e email from our, our local leadership saying strike is off, go to work on Monday. Um, and we'll, we'll keep you posted on how this pans out. So that's kind of where we find ourselves now. And, um, so we've all sort of the last week 
which has felt like a month, um, <laughs> probably for many people, um, uh, has felt weird because uh, it's, it's been full of a lot of discourse of like, we're trying to piece together what the full contract looks like without having fully seen the full contract yet. Um, but we have, I strongly believe as like a member that like I have enough information to kind of like know what, um, uh, what, how they're addressing our needs. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so they've given us some bullet points, which IATSE has released publicly. So we have no problem sharing them here. Um, they're, you know, giving us um, a lot of compromises were made. They're giving us um, sort of a 10 hour turnaround between shifts um, which is fairly similar to what we have now, um, slightly longer. Can you compare um, that to the demands that y'all had as well? Just while you sort of yeah, um, what were we asking for initially? Um, I believe we were asking for 12. So mm -hmm. 12, 12 hours on, 12 hours off has been sort of the rhetoric like mm -hmm. among rank and file membership for a long time um, since the like sort of safety for Sarah thing sort of started. Um, that's been the popular, um, the popular lingo is 12 on 12 off, um, which is still 12 hours is still a long day of work. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when you switch, then when you like think about, Oh, okay, no, it's 10. That still means we can have a 14 hour work day as mm -hmm. a norm, as a norm. Um, and so that's one thing that has changed. Um, one good thing that has come is they have given us a 54 hour weekend turnaround which could mean if they try and do like the fratter days thing that we would get like a much later call on a Monday. Um, but there are some exceptions with that because they're still allowed to call for a sixth day of work, um, which would essentially just like encourage more um, six day work weeks instead yeah. of. Um, so there's, I, a there's a loophole. It, there's a loophole. And um, so there's things like that um, that are in there. Um, and then we got 3% raises, um, uh, each year is 3%, each year of the three years will be a 3% raise boosted each year, um, which, yeah, which is, a um, which is an improvement from the, at first AMPTP was just trying to give us like a 1.7% raise, which is nothing. So like, this was a little bit better. Um, but you know, then membership. So all of this to say, like, um, uh, you know, membership has had had a chance to look at these bullet points that have been publicly released by IATSE and sort of start to form their own opinions about it. Um, and it feels like a lot of our priority needs um, were not met with as much gusto as we would have hoped. Um, we uh, we wanted shorter working hours, and that doesn't seem to have been addressed in this um, in this tentative agreement. Um, and, uh, uh, like inflation this year was something like 5.7%. Um, and so like a 3% raise doesn't really reflect inflation. Um, 2.7 something percent. Exactly. Right. So like if you're looking and, you know, we have to be, we have to ask for a lot, like as uh, you know, zooming out from just the IATSE conversation, like. Um, if we, like, we have to, um, when we're going to the demand table for anything, if you're just asking, if you're a non-union employee and you're asking your boss for a raise, and let's say you make $15 an hour, you want to start making 20, you're going to ask for 40. Okay. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, like, big ends. Otherwise, like, I mean, because yeah, the, the place you where have... you, um, the way the place, the concessions that you're going to make are going to be a little closer to where you want to be. Exactly. And, and so we have to learn as human beings to ask for a lot um, so that when we ha do have to make concessions, it's, it's, we're not accepting crumbs, right? And if you and, win at all, if you win bigger. <laughs> exactly. It's like the worst that could happen is that they talk you down, which they're going to do anyway. Um, so that's kind of like where it stands right now. Um, right now we're kind of in a holding pattern because um, they are still working on fleshing out the full agreement. And there's a lot more details to be solved with the area standards agreement, which is what um, like we, we will use. Um, and so negotiations have only just sort of started on that um, this Wednesday. And so we're kind of waiting for leadership to give us a word on that. Um, Let me pause for station. I do real quick and we can sort of like look at what the next step are going to be. Um, you listen to VHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. Good morning, comrade. We have uh, the fantastic... Mandy Wood on the show. She is a member of IOTSI, uh, two locals around here, and also uh, one of the co-chairs of Worker Power Louisiana, which is the Labor Committee of the Democratic Socialist America in New Orleans. Um, so we were just talking about um, where we're at um, as she's a member of IOTSI 478, right? 478? Yes, got it right this time. Um, and uh, the contract sort of tentative agreement that was um, that was reached last week or this week, early this week, um, by leadership of IATSE and the AMPDP. Uh, and um, so I guess, like, what are the next steps for membership? Um, you, you get a vote on this sort of um, Yeah. And you get yeah, so, yeah, so right now we're um, in a holding pattern a bit. We're waiting for the full agreement to be sort of fleshed out. Um, and then once it is, our local leadership will come to us with that, what that looks like. And then we'll start having discussions um, together about what that means and what it looks like and um, what our satisfaction level is with it. Do you um, have any idea how much time you're gonna have to see, like, like from when you see the final words on the paper and um, when you're gonna be having the vote? Do you have any idea how long it um, after that? I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure what that timeline will be like, but I think it, um, we're, I think we'll have some time. Um, IATSE did release um, sort of publicly again on their um, social media, like a timeline um, that we can oh, sort cool. of look at. It doesn't say like this number of weeks or this number of days, but it does give the order of the steps. So um, right now we're waiting on the full contracts to be rat or uh, to be written up. Um, yep. And then after that, it'll be presented to the membership. Um, all of the membership will get to vote on it. Um, and it will be, um, there will be, the reason I think there will be some time is that they have to like sort of prepare all the voting to happen on one day. It'll all be electronic. Um, it'll be done in the same manner that the strike authorization vote took place. And so we will um, vote as membership, yes or no, um, to ratify the contract. Um, and then, and so the curious thing is it's kind of like the electoral college. Um, so <laughs> I, um, I believe we need a 50 plus one, 50% plus one or 51, 51% plus one or something like that. You need a majority. Need a majority <laughs> um, vote in order to, from the rank and file membership 
in order to say like, yes, we want this. And with that, whatever that vote is, whether it's uh, the majority goes yes or majority goes no, uh, then the delegates from each local then vote nationally, um, all with the vote of whatever the local was. And so, and so then it'll be um, either ratified or a no vote will send us back to uh, negotiations. So that's sort of like the flow chart of like, of how it's gonna go. Um, And so I think right now our work is really to continue those conversations with each other. um, Even before we see the full contract, Um, a lot of leadership is saying, wait, don't make an opinion until you see the full thing, which um, there's some validity to that, but I think we do know a lot of it. Um, and there are things that we should be talking about. Um, yeah, so, I, I don't want to be like too hard on them. For no, the, no, 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 no. So like, hey, you're like you're telling us what's in it. Like, we can sort of, you know, we can sort of read the tea leaves here at least. You know, and, right? And if, if if it's dramatically different when the final language comes out, then that's a different thing. But if you know the gist of it, then you can sort of like start talking to people about it. I think. Exactly. Yeah, and I am. Um, there's like been lots of conversations even nationally for like rank and file members to like come together like on zoom um and like just sort of talk about how we're feeling about it together um and um how people are are dealing across different locals so i think that's a really positive thing that's come out of this um and i think our work right now is to continue in those conversations with each other how do you feel about this um what are you thinking what are you going to do um do you feel like you would vote yes or no on this right now? Um, do you need to wait and see the whole thing kind of thing? So, and especially once the full language is ratified or not ratified, I keep saying that once the full language is, pre- is actually presented to us and shared with us, um, then we'll be able to really sort of hit hard hit the ground running with like, Hey, um, what do you think about this? Do you think we should go back into negotiations or are you ready to accept this as our deal? So um, that's kind of our, our work. Cool. And um, so thank you for, for, for that. And how are you, how are you doing, I guess, sort of like, like put a bow on this point and then we can sort of talk a little bit more about October, uh, Striketober a little bit more broadly, but how are you doing in all of this? You're hanging in there pretty good. It sounds like you, you've really, you know, you know, your stuff and your points on this, great, which means it's probably consumer a considerable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of consuming a considerable amount of my brain power, but um I'm doing well. I um, am, am nervous to see what happens with the vote on the deal. Um, but I think that, you know, we, we've shown a lot of power um, with our strike authorization vote. And like, um, and someone I was in a meeting with the other night when we were talking about this, someone was saying, um, you know, the old saying of like, using power builds power. And so, like, if we are able to use that power, it's like a muscle. Yeah, it is. It's like you strengthen it. So, if we're able to, like, (laughs) I love your dogs. They see they see a truck outside. Sorry. Oh, nice. Yes, your dogs are picketing inside your house too. Um, uh, Yeah, I just that like using power builds power. We got to like flex our muscle and and like build muscle in terms of like coming together for common issues. Um, we had this huge vote, like let's, like my my personal thoughts are like, let's use it. Let's like get a, let's make sure that whatever deal we um, ratify, whatever contract we end up with for three whole years, 
let's make sure that that actually like represents what everybody needs. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it, but sort of like trying to be patient and waiting in the wings, but at the same time, like sort of trying to, I'm trying my best to just like build relationships with comrades across um, different locals across the country. Um, yeah, it's always important yeah. too. To, to, it's always nice to talk to people that like, I don't know, I love talking to teachers from different locals and, and different, um, you know, even from different, I mean, we have two statewide unions in Louisiana. We have um, LFT and we have LAE. Um, and it's always good to sort of like talk with and and, and hear the story of other folks. So uh, that's always kind of nice. And it's also something that's sort of healthy for building power by having relationships amongst amongst those members. Yeah, totally. It's um, it's literally our power is just our in our relationships. So, yeah. <laughs> So uh, just to sort of zoom out a little bit more in terms of uh, the sort of larger striketober question and like all of these, uh, all of these things that you're seeing happening. Um, I guess first, are people in your local talking about it? Are they like saying, "Hey, get a load of these John Deere workers over in Midwest," or "Look at those nurses at Kaiser Permanente," or anything like that? Or is it uh, is it sort of like something that's not in that consciousness? Yeah, I feel like it is a little bit like um, we're. I was talking to like um, some coworkers the other day about like how. I mean, I hate like to like laugh at this, but like um, the the you know John Deere workers um, trying to scab out their warehouse labor. Oh my god! Um, oh my and god. and just having had like office poor office employees like down there running the tractors and they couldn't last one hour without an accident and i just like the best story the best story from that by the way i didn't mean to interrupt you but like was was that there was a, a truck that was going by it was driven by I think by a management person and he was essentially like giving an obscene gesture like i'm guessing it's the double middle fingers to like workers on the picket line and he wrecked his car i don't think he was injured but he, he wrecked the uh the truck that he was driving there's some, Which, there's some... Really, to bring it to the question of safety is that like i mean maybe this guy is like certified to drive that truck but it's not what he's used to doing every day and he's basically um operating in the interest of making more money because the safest thing that you could possibly do is have the workers that do this stuff every day doing that job. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And I think that was like why we kind of connected to it as like um, film workers, like um, people, like um, the coworkers I were talking, I was talking to about it. They were like, yeah, can you imagine like if they had like our production office, like assistants, like, like <laughs> coming in and they're like, suddenly they're like up um, 80 feet in the air and in, in the condor lift, like, powering these lights or they're like <laughs> they're like operating the forklift or they're loading a truck or something it's just like it's it's insane and I, I i feel like that on one hand i laughed a lot at the john deere thing because it reminded me of the episode of the office where they where michael scott thinks he can just like work in the warehouse for a day and he just like totally fails um but I feel like it's that conversation that like was brought up like early pandemic days around labor being like unskilled, right? And this like, and it, it's sort of like this there's really- There's no such thing. There's no such thing. There's no such labor. thing. And like, it's it's just a really classist attitude to think that like a blue collar work um, does not require like training or skill. Um, and it, nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> I, can, 
not be a carpenter right now. I would cut my thumbs off immediately. Right, and you don't want me being a teacher. Like, you don't, like, I don't know. It just, like, uh, our, um, I couldn't do what you do. Like, you know, it's like we all have our, um, our I mean, skills. Sure, like, we could get trained in it and, like, learn to do Absolutely. all these over a certain amount of time and experience in these kinds of things. But, like, yeah. I couldn't go to your job tomorrow and do the same things that you're doing to the level that you can do them and safely. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. It all, it all comes down to safety. I feel like in any workplace, like, and we saw this um, throughout like the beginning of the pandemic and still we're just like worker safety is always like the first thing that an employer just like cuts corners on in order to like save a buck or to like make things done faster. Um, and that's a real problem. And the people that suffer from that are the workers. Like, <laughs> like we're, we're the ones that still have to like, you know, come to work if there's a positive COVID test in your restaurant that you're working at or something, or, you know, or like as teachers, like I'm sure you have a million stories of like positive COVID cases or other dangerous things that you're walking into at work. And it's just like it, it to the employers or, um, you know, the powers that be like, that's always the easiest thing for them to, to sort of like skate through. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, for the, for the teacher thing, it's always a lot of like patronization. Thank you so much for being so flexible. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, it doesn't really get into the stuff about like the alternative of if you don't do it, then you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah, here's, here's a pizza. Shut up. Like, yeah, donuts in, the, donuts in the lounge or whatever. <laughs> right. But I feel like um, we are, like, in a moment, um, like, you know, this striketober idea. I feel like we are in a moment, though, where workers are finally, not finally, but workers are sort of, like, uh, practicing using their power, mm -hmm. um, right? And finally realizing oh, there's so much value in the labor that I perform for this company or for this employee, um, and I don't get compensated for most of it, um, or nor am I set up for success, nor am I, you know, or is this job worth risking my life kind of thing? Um, uh, I read a book um, over the summer called um, "Your Job Doesn't Love You Back" or "Your Job." Oh, Sarah Won't Jaffe. Love. Yeah, we love Sarah Jaffe. She was been she'd been on the program. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. It's so I highly recommend it to anyone trying to work through their unlearning of 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 <laughs> just like um, the idea of you as like a laborer versus a person. Um, and um, yeah, there's just so much valuable insight in that. But it's it's true. It's like we. Um, like all, all of our, yes, you have a coffee. All of our like labor is surplus value that we don't get, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, really positive station ID. Um, you listen to WHIV LP New Orleans, 102.3. Uh, it's Good Morning Comrade. We have Mandy Wood on the show from, uh, from IOTC Local 478 and Local 78. 39. 38, 39. Ah, ah, darn it. Oh, I, had, I got one right. Uh, and also, she's one of the co-chairs of Work of Power Louisiana, which is the Labor Committee of uh, Democratic Socialists of New, uh, Louisiana and uh, America and New Orleans, rather. Um, but anyway, um, we were talking about safety and also um, sort of circle back to, to your industry again. I mean, there was a horrible incident that happened just today uh, as of recording where... Um, 
you know, it was an absolute tragedy, really. It's a, it's a safety issue where um, a, a crew member, uh, it was a director of um, cinematography, I think, and mm -hmm. the film's director were both shot by a gun that it was had blanks in it. And I guess you want to talk a little bit about that? Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just absolutely tragic. And this is just like so indicative of this whole issue of worker safety and, um, and where not to cut corners and director things of like that. I'm sorry. Director yeah. Um, cinematographer. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, we can't like conjecture on like the details of went on and, um, I know the like media is already trying to like cast, find find a place to cast the blame on somebody. Um, it's like when something tragic like this happens, people really want to have like a reason for it so that they can kind of like move on from it. Yeah, quickly. they want good guys and bad guys. Right, exactly. And I feel like this is one of those situations where like we we don't have that, and it's just absolutely tragic um, to think about. Like it really gave me pause last night when I learned about it. Like. Just imagining, you know, um, uh, you go into work one day and something horrible like this happens. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like it's um, it, they have a lot of investigating to do in terms of whether um, uh, whether it, you know who was at fault and what was wrong with the prop gun and you know if if they had protocols in place or if they didn't. Um, but you know the bottom line is yeah the bottom line is this this woman um, Helena Hutchins I think is her name yeah Helena Hutchins um, she was a cinematographer you know she died yesterday because she went to work mm -hmm. she showed up to work. She was doing her job um, and she's leaving behind children. Um, and just at the end of the day, like it doesn't really matter like who is like what happened. Like, it's just like she, nothing is going, nothing that we do is going to like replace her life. Um, but what we can do is, is um, you know, use this as a learning moment, like with um, the death of Sarah Jones in uh, 2014, and unfortunately, there are so many cases like this. Like there are just so many instances of people falling asleep at the wheel after working on set um, and dying, getting severely injured, or of uh, people um, dying on set from safety issues. And I feel like it's, um, you know, I don't know. Like we don't know. We don't know if it was the prop or if it was um, safety. Like we're not there. Um, uh, like it's just we don't know. And. And that, and you can follow every safety protocol in the book and something bad can still happen. And so it's just like, you know, all the more reason let's prioritize like health, well-being, and rest on set um, so that our workers are set up for success so that they, um, you know, if you're doing something dangerous and you're sleep deprived, um, like it's, it's a bad situation. Um, and um, I can only imagine that that is, um, you know, at least a part of a contributing factor to this. Yeah. And, and the sense of, um, you know, if, it, if anyone's ever been on a film set or really in any job at all, like there, there's such a sense of urgency in our culture, um, sense of urgency to get shit done, sorry, to get stuff done yeah. and to, um, sort of move forward um to go at like the the pace of a speeding bullet um 
And, and that's always, at least in the film industry, that's always to save the producer's money. Mm-hmm. Always. Any moment. That's the priority. Yep. Any moment that is wasted costs them a ton of money. Usually it's them wasting time. <laughs> but we won't get into that today. But, um, but they take it out on the workers. and They, they take, take it out on the workers. Like essentially, I mean, you, yeah. you guys and gals and non-binary pals are a, a resource to essentially be exploited. I mean, maybe they don't, they don't think about it in these terms, but like, 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 I don't think that people are just like, yes, we must juice the workers for all that they can, but sort of like the function and the mechanisms beyond the right. human beings that are involved, essentially do that. They it's do the that. default. Yeah, yeah, it's the default. And, and that's in any workplace, mm-hmm. you know, like you see that a lot in the service industry too. It's just like, this, we got to get it out. We got to get the food out, like at all costs. Like, oh, I, I worked, I worked. Yeah, <laughs> a decade in the in the service industry. I know that. You know, um, if somebody flips and falls or something, you walk around them. Yeah, it's it's wild, and I see it a lot too in the in the theater and live event work that I do too, and maybe o- almost more so because we have that deadline of like the show starts at this time. Mm-hmm. There's no post, right? There's well, no the show is editing. happening right now. The show literally is happening right now, and everyone just totally busts themselves to to get it done on time and and often that means that um that it's not um fully safe so that's something that we need to a disease of urgency that's like that's something we need to recover from as a society um and it's hard because um like uh, under capitalism like all that really matters to people is like how much money can we make per square inch of time right (laughs) Time is money, really. Like, like it's a, literally these people. Like, like it's time is money is the sort of like ethos. Right. Of like that's because rent of whatever set or use of a set costs a certain amount of money. Cost of a crew costs a certain amount of money. Rental right. of of you know, like vehicles or whatever costs a certain amount of money. And like, like, I mean, I'm not telling. I'm breaking any news to you, but um, you know. Um, these these film stages and sets are like hugely expensive operations, and like there's a there's a reality to that, but also that money cannot be more important than a pe- than the people that are that are like you were saying, coming in and making all of these things possible because of the work that they do every single day. Totally. Um, yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself. That's. Uh, that's absolutely right. Um, and it's like, I I think it's, um, we're at a moment where like, you know, what does it look like if, uh, you know, I think it's really funny right now, uh, like a lot in the news media, you see this protagonist of like the, the, um, business owner who can't find workers and like, (laughs) nobody wants to work anymore. Right. The media loves to be like, oh, this poor business owner that can't, (laughs) and it's like, um, what if instead we we make the protagonist and the hero be um, like low wage workers who are finally standing up for like yeah. themselves on the job and like the, like they're the heroes of our or, day or, right or, now. Or even if like if somebody got a better job, like if right. you got a better job, you're not going to go work for like um, busing tables at a restaurant for like three dollars and fifty cents an hour or five dollars an hour plus tips. You know, right. like like, if, like better paying jobs get more people to do that kind of work. Safer jobs get more people to do that kind of work. Work with better benefits, get more people to do that kind of work. And like we've said this on this program a lot, like 
what are you off like what are you offering to pay these workers when you are complaining about um them not wanting to work anymore like 215 an hour plus tips for a server oh okay they're not working for that that sounds like a you problem to me yeah exactly well <laughs> and also it's like the our costs have not changed they're going huh. up like mm -hmm. it uh, we i can't go to my landlord and say like oh, I decided to work, uh, to go back to this restaurant I used to work at because they just can't find workers. So mm. Mm, I can't afford my rent because they don't pay me enough. You know what I mean? It's like, we still have to pay our bills. Uh, you know, it's like, um, it's insane. So I, I, I just find it funny that like, we're idolizing sort of this, this, this story. And 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 spreading it everywhere, just that like, oh, no one wants to work. And um, it's like, no, we just don't want to work for free. We just don't want to work um, in unsafe conditions. Like, I love what I do for a living. I really do. Um, but uh, it's rough sometimes, like, and the conditions are, are can really um, grind you down. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, and, and we, we deserve to like, live a life where we're resting and then going to work and able to work a day without being afraid that we're going to die on the job or fall asleep at the wheel um, coming home after a long day of work. Yeah. Well, I couldn't have, couldn't have wrapped this episode up any, any better than you just did. So uh, anything you want to just say uh, on your way out? Um, yeah. Just thank you so much for having me. Thank you for what you do. Um, your You're welcome show, to come back anytime. Seriously. Your show is great. And um, yeah, I just like encourage folks to just start building relationships with coworkers um, and let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And this has been um, Mandy Wood. She is uh, with local 78 and local wait, 78 and for I can't I can't remember two numbers. Four seventy eight and thirty nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! See, oh my gosh! I should have write these things down, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a this is volunteer radio. Okay? You're good. You're um, good. But she's also the uh, one of the co-chairs of Work of Power Louisiana for Democratic Socialist America in New Orleans. Um, and yeah, uh, you can listen to Good Morning Comrade every every Sunday on uh, the station WHIB LP New Orleans. Get more information. Uh, at our website, goodmorningcomrade.com. Is there anything you want to shout out or um, give, you know, give any more information to? Yeah, if you want to um, come together with other workers across the city um, who are looking to um, learn how to organize in your workplace or just talk about workplace issues, um, uh, go ahead and follow um, New Orleans DSA, um, or um, you can always email us at labor at dsaneworleans.org. Um, and you can come to a meeting, chat with other workers and, um, help us sort of like continue this fight. It's always great to like, that was my account a couple of years ago. It's like always great to see the people what I like followed in because I used to be for the people that are listening. Uh, I was a co-chair of that committee probably about two, three years ago now, which was like passing the baton. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, thanks for listening. Uh, this is WHIV New Orleans. Good morning, comrade. We love you. Bye-bye.